Welcome to Beyond Politics, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and this is an emergency podcast. We're recording this Thursday morning on the news that emerged yesterday that for the first time ever, a gunmaker in America has been held liable for a mass shooting. Remington, the now bankrupt gunmaker Remington, has settled liability claims from the Sandy Hook families by agreeing to pay them $73 million. Obviously, this has a lot of implications, ramifications for everyone who follows the gun issue. This has been one of the longest simmering flashpoints in American politics, American society for decades. And I couldn't think of anyone better as an expert on this issue than previous guest, longtime friend, longtime participant and, and, and contributor to this show, Cliff Schechter. Cliff has a long background in the gun safety, gun reform advocacy community. He's consulted for Mayor Mike Bloomberg's Mayors Against Illegal Guns and helped craft a strategy that actually beat the NRA on the Senate floor back in 2009. He's worked for Every Town for Gun Safety, the Brady Campaign. He's a prolific writer on gun issues, widely cited. He's actually addressed the American Association for Public Health on gun safety and gun reform issues. So Cliff, very glad to have you back here on Beyond Politics. Well, uh, my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me as always, Matt. Well, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to have you and it's kind of a pleasure to have you on what I consider to be a good news kind of day. I mean, what we're talking about here is a silver lining. Let's, let's be clear. This is one of the most horrific tragedies in American history, certainly in recent memory, for those of us who have politically lived through the Sandy Hook shooting, it, it, it's hard, and as parents, it's hard to bring to mind anything more terrifying and tragic. And if yeah. there's anything, and I think I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing the parents who spoke after this, this settlement came out yesterday, that if there's anything that can come out of it, that makes for progress for the future so that future families don't have to go through what they went through, they consider that to be a good thing. And that's that's really what I'm speaking to here. What right. I wanted to ask you is, what's the significance of this settlement? Because it's been suggested by people who are experts on this issue that this is this is a big deal. This could be a landmark for how gun reform is pursued in America. Well, it, that, and that's absolutely right. I'll say, I'll start with you throughout, for those of us, Sandy Hook parents, I mean, I have, my older son is the same exact age that those kids were my, he was in kindergarten when this happened. And so I can't even imagine for any parent who had a child in that sort of age range, not being absolutely horrified. And, and just the callousness in the response by first the National Rifle Association, it would remind you a lot of what happened on January 6th after Trump's grabbing by the you know what video where you had the right wing and at first a few decent people on the right said, oh, oh my God, this is horrible, we need to do something. But then they circled the wagons as they always do. The threats started coming from the money people and others and everybody backed off and they decided that these parents who literally just woke up that morning and sent their adorable little five and six year olds to school who were, we need to say this honestly so people get it, were shot by an assault rifle so powerful that it cut some of them to bits, that a teacher tried to, to protect them in front of them. And they died by this, this, uh, this psycho shooting them through the teacher. I mean, this is the kind of weaponry we're talking about. And so there's a number of, I mean, that's the sad part of this. The positive side of this, there are a couple of things. First of all, it's interesting because we have this crazy right-wing Supreme Court 
and the, and a number of whom I will, would argue if we had more time are quite illegitimate members of that Supreme Court. At least one absolutely shouldn't be there based on a stolen seat from when Barack Obama was president. Well, they, interestingly enough, chose to not. So let me back up for a second. There was a law passed around 2003 in the House and the Senate, just ludicrous, right? Just to show you the power that the NRA had back then to completely give this one industry immunity from lawsuits, kinds of lawsuits that you can take up against all sorts of other industries. You can't with them. And the reason they did that is they saw that that's how the tobacco industry was taken down and learned from it. So what makes this that much more important is that the Connecticut Supreme Court, this is in Connecticut, said absolutely the fact that these guns were marketed to kids, were purposely marketed in a way to appeal to kids, made it so that they said that, that it fell squarely under their state law that they could be, Remington could be prosecuted for this. And the Supreme Court chose not to intervene, which is something I find interesting. What does that say? I don't know. We've got a rising tide of gun violence in this country. We have the right pretending that it's just all around crime going up. It's not, most crime figures haven't gone up at all. It's violence, gun violence. Because when you have state after state after state passing permitless carry, putting guns in anybody's hands at any time they want with, without any restrictions whatsoever, there's just a case yesterday in Texas where someone was at an ATM uh, and somebody tried to rob them uh, or robbed them. And the person who was robbed, because this is a society we live in, pulled out their gun, fired aimlessly at the, per at the person who robbed them, shot a nine-year-old girl sitting on a bench and killed her. Mm. I mean, this is the, this is the society. And no, we have no protections from this right now. So the fact that the Supreme Court, maybe... Maybe. I, I don't want to hope too much with the lunatics, and I wouldn't just say that because I used to have respect for the Supreme Court, but not much anymore, that the six right-wing nuts really fought. Roberts at least has shown some decency here and there. But they didn't take this case. And maybe, why? I don't know. Maybe, they, maybe they, they do quietly think that the gun situation is getting out of hand. I, I don't, but I, I wouldn't bet on it. I just don't know. Another thing, though, is the implications are if other states are willing to do that, then gun makers could have to pay these kinds of, of fines. Bushmaster, it's happened once before recently where Bushmaster did in the case of the Washington, D.C. sniper. There was nothing close to what this was. The, the size of the settlement, I'm trying to remember, it was like 500,000 or so. It was a much smaller one. So this could scare companies into making their products harder for kids to get their hands on, it, avoid the marketing media... to kids. Is, is the media missing the implications of this to some extent? Because I have to say, I haven't seen, I haven't seen sort of reporting that that captures what you were just saying. I mean, you were talking about a case here where the firearm used in the Newtown shooting, which was a Bushmaster XM15 E2S rifle, it was marketed specifically at younger at-risk males, and one of the marketing campaigns included the phrase consider your man card reissued so this is yep. this is this is aimed this is aimed squarely at young teens oh i mean issues. if i can jump in quickly because I, when it was in two in 2015 i believe it was the daily beast sent me or i write i write for them sometimes as a columnist or whatever but on this one they sent me a sort of a special correspondent i'm not sure what word we use to go to the national rifle association convention in indianapolis and i and i went to this thing and i recorded what i saw which was everything you can imagine right there was like bloomberg and feinstein feinstein and a few others were like there 
in cardboard cutouts for people to walk by and pretty much punch if they wanted to or whatever. Just magically, all the people who were, who were there, Carolyn McCarthy, who was a congresswoman at the time, we lost her husband on the Long Island Railroad shooting, if you may remember that. She also was a, a huge advocate of gun control. She wasn't there. It's funny how only the Jewish ones were up there. <laughs> no conspiracies or anything. But I recorded that. But then I also went, the key thing that you're bringing up is I went through what they bragged about was seven miles of booths of, of various gun-related porn, basically, that you could buy. And I mean, it was all so targeted and exactly demographic. Mm. I mean, the kind of shit that no, I mean, night goggles, silencers, this, that, the other thing, but the way they were marketed, you can, so you can go out and fend for yourself and you can, I mean, everything about it was, was high, young, white, maybe a little bit sort of emotionally vulnerable male. You want to go out and kill stuff, be the animals or whatever else you don't want to tell us about. Here's a good place you can get your stuff. And so this is what they, they were doing. And that immunization helped provide protection for them to do these kinds of things. And so now that shield has been pierced for the very first time. And so obviously the state laws of Connecticut don't apply to other states. But as you were saying a second ago, the Supreme Court has decided decided previously they would not take up the appeal on this. They would let the state- Well, well yes, with this one case, they decided that. We don't they, yet right. know. They've refused to say- whether in the future this will be something maybe they thought the Sandy Hook one. I mean, again, we know the Supreme Court is a political body. They can pretend they're not, but they are. And they may have thought to themselves, my God, like people just aren't going to have the sympathy with some mass shooting of a bunch of black adults. And I'm sorry to have to say that, but let's be honest here. That's or even white adults, but whatever point being that a little bit of racism on their part, a little bit of this, that little white kids who are five and six, whose pictures are still put on social media frozen in the form they were in the day they died, right? Never having grown up is elicits enough sympathy that they may have just thought, this is, we're going to make an exception here and get this the hell out of the way. Do they have definitely gonna... not said, that, the last thing I'll say is they've definitely not said that this applies to the future yet. So do you think that this is more a potential watershed legally because other advocates will try this kind of a strategy at the state level to, to initiate these types of lawsuits? Or, or, or do you foresee it as more of a, a chilling effect where gun manufacturers themselves are going to have to say, look, this, this precedent is out there. We're going to have to curb our behavior. Well, I mean, I, I, I absolutely think that they're going to be concerned and curb their behavior, yes. I mean, they don't know. I mean, again, there probably are things being said privately by people, so maybe the members of the Supreme Court or people that speak for them or whatever are, are, are letting folks know in, in the gun-running community that, don't worry, this is a one-time thing. I, I don't know what's said behind closed doors, obviously. Um, but unless they're being reassured behind closed, closed doors that this is a one-time thing, yeah. They got to be, I mean, Remington, what, they, they just filed for bankruptcy for the second time uh, in 2020. This is real. And if the Supreme Court does not step in and protect these guys. Now, granted, we've got a big gun case that's going to be coming up in the Supreme Court about whether New York and states like it even have the right to you know, legislate who can and who can't have concealed carry. Right, because New York and some other states are not shall issue states, which means anybody who wants it, as long as you're not a criminal or whatever, certain states, there's about a dozen of them or so, say that you have to have a reason to carry. Now, if you want to understand how the NRA has warped the history 
uh, as well as the, the, the sort of legality, the politics of this country, there were only three or four shall issue states in like the late 1970s, right? Uh, this was considered normal that states would decide, do you really need to be carrying around a gun because it's dangerous for people? They want to get rid of that and make sure everyone can carry a gun concealed. So if they do that, well, that's going to make it tougher, right? I mean, if they overthrow that and say everybody has the right to concealed carry everywhere all the time, unless you, uh, and I think in some of these states are not even enforcing background checks anymore. I mean, then, I mean, if they, if they sort of, sort of flood the, the, the zone with this many more guns, it's going to be kind of hard because this stuff's going to happen all the time. So at that point, they're either going to have to decide they're not going to do this anymore, what they allowed happen to Remington, or the gun companies are all going to go out of business. You know what I mean? So I guess it, some of the, the decisions the Supreme Court makes going forward will affect whether gun, you know, the gun makers and what gun makers have to do. But if we were just to say quickly, to base it on this one decision, yes, of course they would have to be nervous. Of course they would have to be scared. Because and is there a potential tipping point, just connecting the dots over to the other ruling that we've seen in recent months against Alex, Alex Jones, who's put forward really disgusting conspiracy theories around the Sandy Hook shooting and has ended up having to pay millions of dollars uh, in, in damages. And this was obviously also here a, a civil case seeking damages. And again, it's, it's sort of imposing, if, if we're unable to impose a, a criminal penalty here on the gun manufacturers who are, who are behaving this way, We're, we now have two instances of imposing a civil penalty. It, it, are we potentially at a tipping point for that kind of, of lawsuit, for that kind of penalty? Well, it's a, in? Yes, it's, it's, we're definitely at a tipping point potentially for that. We're also at a point where these gun companies, we still don't, I mean, one of the most obvious laws you would pass if you weren't biased and ridiculous and, and weren't in the just doing whatever the gun industry wants you to do is like with a car or anything else, you would require people to buy liability insurance, right? So that when something happens like this, this idiot who fired his gun and killed a girl the other day, he would be he, the, the liability insurance. He wouldn't be able to get liability insurance anymore. He wouldn't be able to have a gun, right? But companies do need to get liability insurance. Remington does have it. And so do these other companies. And so one of the big deals here is you get a $73 million settlement against you. Guess what insurance companies do to, to you and, and your brethren in the future? They raise the hell out of those premiums because you're now a bigger risk. So that in and of itself could have a huge effect. Well, that's really guys. interesting. That's really interesting. So even, even, if, even if we don't see other lawsuits around other mass shootings that kind of go uh, after on a civil basis, go after damages for irresponsible marketing or irresponsible design um, or other negligence on the part of these companies, you could still see a financial penalty for all of them because of their insurance rates. Well, I think you're going to, you're going to have to. I mean, unless, again, unless the Supreme Court makes clear in some way that this will not happen again, that this was a one-off for whatever reason. But I mean, it's inevitable. That's the way the insurance business works, right? I mean, if you're insuring Remington right now and you're potentially suddenly on the hook for God knows how much of that 73 million, depending upon what the insurance, but whatever the, the claim is and whatever, all the rest of that, that, that that's not my business. but. Uh, I would think that anybody else insuring any of these companies, well, if you're a bean counter, yeah, you're going to sit there and count those beans, aren't you, and see how many of them that you may, you may have to cough up the next time one of these things happens. And again, considering, you know, state after state is following the, 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 the 
idiotic model of trying to put as many guns in as many people's hands as possible without any training, without any psychological tests, without anything to sort of make them a responsible gun owner, you can expect a lot more of this. And so insurance companies will have to ask themselves that question, won't they? And I can't see where what insurance companies are about is not ideology, they're about money. Is there a lesson in here for, for advocates, for, for, for gun reform advocates, just sort of connecting the dots over to what we saw in the Ohio gerrymandering case. And you and I both mutually know David Pepper, the former Ohio Democratic Party chair who came on this show and pointed out that that case was, and that decision was a direct result of a, a long advocacy campaign, a, a very concerted effort to get to win races, to put people on the Supreme Court yep. and to to get a, a referendum on the ballot and to change state law. And we're seeing here the success in this gun case had to do with with a longstanding effort to focus on the state level. So while efforts have been stymied on the federal level, and obviously we have this 2003 federal law that shields gun manufacturers, it seems like there are opportunities for, for reform advocates at the state level. Is that is that one of the takeaways? Well, I mean, I, to, to me, there are two takeaways. One, never, ever, ever give up. Never let these people tell you you can't win. Never let them tell you you're beaten. Fight them every day. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to give a Winston Churchill kind of speech here. Fight them on the beaches. No, but I mean, seriously, I am in a way, which is they, they, they think they've got you. They think they can bully you. They think they can scare you. They think don't ever give up. Take them on. Second thing would be, as much as you do, you should take them on and be tough about it. Be, also be strategic about it. I mean, you brought up the thing in Ohio. That's one of numerous examples. Michigan, I don't know even how they did it, was able to get a, a much fairer redistricting plan passed over the past few years. So they're not able to gerrymander in the way that they were in the past there. And Michigan's what, the eighth, ninth biggest state in the country? And where Republicans have the state legislature, that's a big deal. North Carolina was able to elect another judge, kind of like what Ohio did to the Supreme Court. And they just invalidated their ridiculous gerrymandered plan. So there are the, the, what we've done on the left too often, and I think all of us have been guilty, activists, funders, whatever, is like looking at the shiny object, the presidential race, or this or that. I mean, Getting involved in a local race, look at what Steve Bannon's doing right now with all with all these, these school boards around the country, which is, by the way, what Phyllis Schlafly did way back when, you know, post-Goldwater. This It may not be as glamorous, but if you care about your democracy, you go to the places where there are hidden power centers, where you can win battles that maybe the other side is not paying as close attention to that have huge implications and that they may not be at the top of the ballot and they may not be getting covered on abc news or whatever but they may be, be every bit as important if not more important well we're gonna have to leave it there cliff Schefter, thank you very much for just running through all of the implications of this we'll be watching this story very closely thanks so much for being on beyond politics my pleasure thanks for having me man